Shalom Aleichem. Peace and health upon all listening. Shalom to the elect scattered abroad and the strangers who are attached by HaSemach, the branch, in whom we believe and declare to the esteem of our father, Yahuwah. HaSemach, the branch, who is our sovereign and master, Yahusha HaMashiach, the Messiah, the word made flesh, the son of Elohim. Welcome to Bread and Wine. Welcome to Ingenious Perspectives. On this podcast, we're going to discuss issues that have loomed over the African-American experience for generations. It's our goal to discuss these issues, not just from our point of view, but from various research perspectives. As always, we invite you to come expand your paradigms with us. Uh, one half of Ingenious Perspectives, my name is my name is Dominic Speller. And I'm Lars McCarran. Um, in one of our earliest episodes um, in our discussion of Reform and Revolution, uh, one of the things we talked about were um, Hebrew groups, Black Israelite groups, and one of the big things we came across was like a, a major lack of information. And we told you guys then, like two years ago, two and a half years ago, that we would definitely try to get more information about that and try to bring somebody on the podcast who can discuss that with us and help us share that information with everybody. Um, to that end, we now have four gentlemen who are here to expand both our paradigms and yours on the topic, um, and I'm going to let those take it from here. How's everyone doing today? Um, we are the Bread and Wine Podcast. Once again, that is the Bread and Wine Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. I am one of the hosts. My name is Yahoo Kesed, or Yahoo Kesed, which means Yahuwah is favorable. Yahuwah is trustworthy. We also have. Okay, well, I'm Caleb Van Yasharal. Uh, Caleb means dog. Don't laugh. Uh, Van is an older Hebrew way of saying Ben, which means son. And then Yasharal, uh, basically Israel. So Caleb, son of Israel. Um, that's me. I'm Lex. And I've been in this thing for about a year and a half, going on two years now. I'm still kind of babying it a little bit, but yeah, I'm Lex, and that's it, really. I'm not sad, Yahoo, which means Watchman, Yahuwah. That's it. Yeah, so once again, we are the Bread and Wine Podcast. Um, once again, Yahuka said, uh, Lex, Caleb, not sorry, Yahoo. And we have another uh, member whose name is Yermi Yahoo. He's currently not here right now. But um, we are definitely excited to be on the indigenous perspective. The, excuse me, the ingenious perspective. I don't know why I said it. Excuse me. Ingenious perspective. Um, so shout out to Lauren. Shout out to Dominic for having us up here. Definitely happy to have you. Like I said, this is something we've been trying to get done for two and a half years now. Um, so this this is really bringing everything all the way back full circle to episode one. Um, so we are we are glad to be able to get more information. Um, and uh, and let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about who you guys are, um, what you do, your beliefs, anything. Just just take us to take us to an introduction. So all right. So in terms of um, just want to give a disclaimer, 
in terms of uh, the understanding and the forefront of what's being presented for Black Hebrew Israelite groups, um, usually see them on YouTube. Um, I don't want to call out any names or any organizations, so I'm just going to say uh, they wear various of colors, um, uh, bright colors in, in an essence. So we do not, um, in our uh, assembly, we do not go on the street corners and yell uh, at people um, and, or tell you know black people like you are this and tell white people that you're this we don't we don't do that at all um basically how we understand scripture is we do understand that scripture is written for a certain people and also for those that believe um in the scriptures themselves and uh and follow in line or want to take part of the life that uh that the scriptures uh bring out in terms of who it's pointing to in terms of the father in terms of the son so we uh, we try to break down scripture from a historical standpoint, uh, from an Eastern mind Hebraic standpoint to say who's talking, who's it talking to and how we can apply the scripture to our lives. So basically, how can we convert our lives to what the scripture says rather than trying to take certain things that we have in our lives and trying to mold them into into the scripture? Um, so in, in that aspect, that's what. Uh, we try to do. And once again, um, through our podcast, we talk about various things. We talk about what the what the Israelites actually look like. We talk about who the Gentiles are. Um, we talk about different doctrines in terms of from the Genesis story to the breakdown for Revelations to Paul's letters um, and, and what exactly they are talking about. So we believe in the totality of the book. We believe in the old quote unquote Old Testament, which you call the Tanakh, uh, which is the Torah or the instructions, the Nabi or the prophets and the Katim, which is the writings through like Psalms, Proverbs and everything like that. And then we also believe in the, <clears throat> excuse me, the New Testament, <laughs> which we understand it as a renewed covenant or the witness of the Messiah and uh, Paul's writings encompassed together. So we carry out uh, we do our uh, meeting to the feast days that are described in Leviticus uh, 23. We um, do not eat any, you know, pork or uh, shellfish, um, all that's described in Leviticus as well in terms of the dietary that the things that the father commanded his children to do. Um, and we also believe in the Messiah, who we call Yahusha, and his teaching in terms of being obedient to the instructions of the father and showing love to one another. And if we love him, then we will obey all that is being said because that he said is what the father instructed him to say, um, to bring to the people and to bring them closer into the kingdom that is uh, to come. Okay. Um, so I guess the first question that I, uh, and this is the first question that pops into my head. I don't know. Lawrence did, um, some more research, um, and so may have some other questions. My first one would be, what do you feel as though separates? Like, what would you say is the difference between, um, between your, uh, the organization, uh, that you're a part of and like modern Christianity? Quite a bit. Okay. Um, so the first thing is, even though we still accept the New Testament, our view of who, let's say they would, the church would call Jesus. Mm. Uh, we don't call him Jesus. We would call him by his Hebrew name, Yahusha. Okay. Um, how they view him and how we view him is totally different. His message, the way he walked, the way he carried himself. Um, you know, when you go into modern Christianity in particular, there's an emphasis on getting 
and receiving for yourself. Mm. Uh, you give to get. Everything is centered around what you can get and what you can receive. And what ends up happening is you have certain people, in particular pastors, um, who are able to take advantage of that and are able to twist certain things in the book. You read it and it'll be like it's saying one thing, but you'll hear the pastor. He'll say the scripture, but he'll he'll make it sound like it's saying something else. And what ends up happening is you have a lot of people who really are desiring stuff, you know, earthly things. And they're not getting them because the pastor's taking advantage of them. That's one of the big differences. The other big difference is how we view the Old Testament. Modern Christians in particular tend not to teach the Old Testament. Um, there's things like the Old Testament rules. You don't have to do them. They're done it away with. So you can kind of eat whatever you want. You can kind of uh, the the holidays and things like that. There's certain holidays when you actually look into the history of them. They're really dark, but, you know, you don't find them in the Bible at all. So a modern Christian would say there's no problem with that because that's the Old Testament, whereas we say, no, this was actually ordained. This was given from the mouth of the Most High himself. So, no, this it's not done away with. And again, looking into the New Testament, nothing in the New Testament says that. I think oh. um, if I can jump in here. And, yeah, and, no, uh, absolutely. In the grand scheme of things, I think uh, one of the big differences, if you want to just put it all in the one word, is um, accountability. Um, I've never really been accountable for actions and stuff like that um, until recently under this, um, this uh, I wouldn't even say doctrine, just under this life and faith, I'm more accountable on the things that are in the book. Um, in modern day Christianity, you can get away with a lot of things and a lot of unhealthy things. So I would say accountability is, is to me, the biggest thing that's the difference. And I, I want to add something else, too, because he Lex hit on a key point. Christianity really is more of a religion, uh, okay. whereas what we do is more of a lifestyle in our culture. Okay. Right. So everything we do, there's a reason behind it. Uh, while there might be deeper explanations at the at the base level, there's something historical that we can point back to that. OK, this is why we do this. Um, it's almost like how today in America. Uh, people celebrate the, let's say, the 4th of July, right? That's considered more of a historic holiday than it is a religious one. Okay. So every feast day that we have is, it, it can be tracked to something historical, even if there is some deeper underlying spiritual meaning or explanation to it. At the base level, it's historic. Christianity, again, this is a lot of religious practices. You go to church, you do things in a very rhythmic way. And a lot of times there's no explanation for it. And when you get told, hey, I don't understand. Why are we doing this? Don't question God. Don't ask questions. Right. Whereas in our way of life, we want to encourage questions. Right. And some questions might be something that, OK, you need to learn a little bit more. But at the end of the day, we ask questions. Um, I'm going to put a pin because I don't want to derail everybody if if, if everyone wants to discuss something. Um. But definitely want to come back to it because um, when you describe it as both uh, a culture and a religion, I guess my question is, can you participate in one without participating in the other? You know, um, as within within. And again, I don't want to. Is it so black Hebrew is Israelites? Is that the 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 total title that they that is preferred? 
but that's the title that's given to us. Okay. Uh, cool. All yeah. Right. So I like when I talk, sometimes I say I'm Hebrew Israelite. Sometimes I say I'm Hebrew. Sometimes I say I'm Israelite. Okay. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's the same thing as saying like you're from the United States or you're from America. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm with you. Um, yeah. So um, I'm sorry. What was what was the other question you asked? So the question was, um, can you be in the black Hebrew Israelite religion without being in the culture or vice versa? Is it is it both? Right. When you describe yeah. it as being both, like, can you participate in one without participating in the other? May I answer that? Yeah. Feel free, man. No, because because uh, the scriptures or the instructions on how to live and conduct ourselves with each other uh, and towards the father, they are centered within within the lifestyle of the Hebrews. So the Hebrews, they were. uh, Shepherds, farmers, agriculturalists, uh, ministers, they had uh, soldiers. they had a language, a, a style of dress, a uh, way they did business. So, no, it should, some do, but there should be no separation between uh, the belief and the culture because it is commanded in Scripture. But if someone wanted to join in, they had to forsake and repent of the way of their fathers. So there would be a changing um, of a lifestyle and... I want to say even if you let's deal with the three, the three what's called the Abrahamic religions, yeah. it's is it's very odd to try to practice Judaism without without going into the culture of that. It's very odd to try to practice uh, Islam without going into the culture of that. Yeah. Uh, Christianity is is different in a way to where depending on what nation you're in, in some nations, especially in America, it is separate of a culture. Mm. Uh, but what we do, uh, it's, it's tied, it's tied to a lifestyle. It's also tied to a language. Islam okay. is tied to a language. Judaism is tied to a language, but Christianity is, is not really tied to, it's not really tied to much history. It's not tied to culture. It's not tied to language or a lifestyle. So in that way, well, for this reason, I would say uh, they should not be inseparable. Well, they okay. should not be separated. Gotcha. Gotcha. Does anybody else uh, want to answer that or the previous question? Because I know I sidetracked us a little bit. Okay, I don't. I want to uh, just add something to what Netsar said too. Um, in theory, anybody could, you know, just go through the kind of rigmarole. Uh, you know, hey, I'm just going to go to uh, to service on Shabbat or Sabbath, and you know, I'm just not going to eat pork, but Again, there's just so much here that, you know, like like the best way for me to explain it is, you know, as I'll stick with the dietary rules, I'll use that as an example. Um, As Americans, we don't eat cockroaches. Right. That's not something we do. Right. But if you go to certain places in Central Africa, they'll literally dig them out the ground and eat them. But as Americans, we don't do that. That's not a religious thing. That's a cultural thing. We don't do that. Okay. So as an Israelite, I don't eat pork. That's that's not what we do as Israelites. You get what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you so far. So what would you say is the part of it that um I guess is religious in nature, the same way he was he was saying that there is no separation between the two. Um and it sounds like what, what I'm getting from you is that there are parts of it that are cultural, 
but participating in those cultural parts doesn't necessarily make you part of the group. It makes you a part of a diet plan, I guess. Right. You know what I'm saying? Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, well, if you were to use the dietary law, I was just right, using right. the dietary law as an example. Right. But um, if if we were going to use now, I'm going to use the uh, a more uh, layman's I, I definition of religion. Okay, okay go ahead. Yeah, okay, they, no, go ahead, go ahead. Because I just yeah. wanted to know, like, in terms of religion, what's the definition that we're using concerning religion to so have a better understanding of the question? Go ahead, uh, Caleb. Yeah, so I'm just going to use a layman's definition of religion. Just you know, average everyday person was just me. Anything concerning some type of deity or God and the worship of that God, right? Okay. That's, that would just be the basic. If you say that to somebody, that's what they would think of. So the part that would make it religious from that definition would be uh, the simple fact that the most highest one who gave us this culture, mm. right? He's the one that's, a, so as an Israelite, this is what, this is how my people would act. So we're the Israelites, we're his people. This is how we act. Okay. Right. That would be the religious. And again, that's a layman. Now, right. when you're dealing with Israelites ourselves, we typically do not like to call ourselves religious because okay. in today's day and age, religion has become more of a just kind of robotic thing. And some people get very fanatical about it. But again, okay. they, they, they don't have any understanding of what they're doing or why they're doing it. It's just, hey, I was raised this way. This is what I do because grandmama did it. And you coming in here doing something different. You're going to hell. I'm not going to hear anything about what you're saying. I'm closed minded to it. So because of that, we tend to stay away from the wording of religion. OK, fair. Um, so one other thing in terms of re the religious, uh, quote unquote, aspect of it is the feast days um, or the for, for instance. Right. So um, and I would say like American culture, uh, they celebrate Christmas, Thanksgiving. Um, they'll give like a brief uh, history concerning it and say, hey, in terms of Thanksgiving, well, the pilgrims and the Indians came together and they've had a peace treaty. So therefore, this is why we do this. We, we celebrate the aspect of them coming together and making a peace treaty and this and the other. Um, but it kind of like stops there. It doesn't tell you anything what happened before, anything concerning that. For example, um, how we take part in, um, in Passover. Um, okay. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So in those aspects of it, there is uh, the history, the historical context behind that is that during the time that the Israelites or the Hebrews were in Egypt, that the, the 10 plagues came upon Egypt and that the father, Most High Yahuwah, brought them out of Egypt by Moses. Story that everyone is very much familiar with, parting of the Red Sea, all that. So when they did that after the fact, they then partook in the Passover lamb. Um, well, excuse me, no, they, they took part in the Passover lamb uh, for the last plague, which was when the uh, the death angel came and slaughtered the firstborn if there wasn't blood on the doorpost of, of the houses. And so uh, what's instructed is that we are to do this and we are to, to eat that lamb in haste, um, not to leave anything until morning. And then when we take part in 11 bread, the story is then continued because the child it literally says in scripture that the children is going to ask, why do we do this? So right there, it's, it's, it's probing the question that the children are asking, well, why are you doing this? But in Christianity, a lot of times when we ask certain things, why, why, you know, sometimes our mother, our grandmother would get a little bit snippy at us would say, you just need to do it. Da, 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 this, that, and other. But in scripture, it basically says that you are to explain to your children that Yahuwah, the Most High, your Elohim, your God, brought brought us out of the land of Egypt during this time. So this is the reason why we do this, so that the people, that the children now have an understanding and are to carry on the instructions 
and the way of life that the father has given to uh to our people okay yeah you bring up some uh, uh a super interesting point um i think and i'm hearing it from all of y'all uh talking drawing the contrast between uh what sounds like and, and i'm gonna use my words here uh you know somewhat a, a lazy approach to uh theology uh that we see in a modern uh christianity as opposed to a more rigid and orthodox uh, approach to um you know, religious texts that I'm hearing, you know, that you all value, is that, uh, is that primarily the differences or is there uh fundamental differences in core beliefs, um, that drive that, uh, um, that separation? Oh, no, there's fundamental differences in core beliefs as well. Um, but when you, on the outset, um, I would say that your observation would be, uh, somewhat correct. Um, if you were talking about somebody who, let's say, looked at old school Christianity and how strict they were, um, someone could basically say, yeah, I can see a similarity there. Um, but again, once you start getting into the more in-depth beliefs, uh, more doctrinal things, um, there are a lot of differences there as well. Now, I do want to add one disclaimer is that some of these doctrinal differences do tend to differ a little bit from from Israelites, Israelite. Okay. So uh, we're going to mostly uh, focus on what we believe, what our okay. assembly believes and what a lot of Israelites like us believe okay. um, for the ones that, you know, who are maybe on the camps or in these uh, corners um, who preach certain doctrines. They might be a little different, sometimes radically different in regards to certain things. Okay. The common thread between all Israelites, the common thread um, is that. Black people who descended from descendants of slaves. Um, and that's this also includes, you know, European slave trade, Jamaica, uh, South America, all of those people who got caught up, either all or the overwhelming vast majority can trace their lineage, bloodline descendants to the ancient Israelites. OK, so that is that is the, one of the key beliefs. Most modern Christians, depending on who you ask, is either going to say that does not matter or they're going to say you're wrong. OK, so, yeah, that um, was a, a that was the thing. So, you know, my research to this, um, I came across what it, what it seemed to be is and, and you know, please stop me if I'm completely misrepresenting uh, uh, your group, because I last thing I want somebody to re- misrepresent me. Uh, but. Uh, it seems to be that there is a um, kind of two large uh, major categories uh, of uh, of Black Hebrews, those that believe um, that the roots uh, uh, go back to the original uh, Israelites, they were Black. And then it seems to be like those that and, uh, those that believe that of the 12 tribes, when the civil, after the Civil War, after Solomon, um, the 10, uh, 10 lost tribes, uh, some amount of those folks were displaced to uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and would, and their descendants would eventually become some parts of the diaspora, specifically the uh, Black diaspora. Uh, is that, is, does that seem to be match what your, your, your observations are? Both of those are correct. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> A lot of us, a lot of Negroes, we we learn about the uh, uh, we learn about the the transatlantic slave trade. Um, but another 
very important one, which this one was actually longer, uh, much longer, which was the trans-Saharan slave trade. Uh, so we had the Europeans that took some of us into the Western Hemisphere, but we also had the Arabs uh, who took us into the Middle East. So you were talking about the uh, Ten Lost Tribes. They're not lost. They're in North Africa. They're in East Africa. A lot of them are still in the Middle East, uh, like uh, Palestine, uh, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, um, Iraq, uh, Iran. Like in all of these nations, they have like a Negroid or Negroid-ish. I say that because of like the similar uh, physical or like phenotype characteristics they share with us. And even in those nations, they still have issues with uh, uh, separation or segregation to where they have their own communities because they're darker than the rest. But I'll say what you found so far, that is that is correct. Yeah, it sounds like it, it sounds like you're saying that it's both of those things. Is that um, uh, I guess uh, amongst the groups, uh, in the, I guess the full spectrum, is it is it that folks believe both of those things are true, or or one or the other? Um, well, it's more. Oh, you want to go ahead? Oh, I was, I was. Oh, sure. I was I mean, going to say sorry. I certainly believe that uh, um, both are true based upon what I've read, but what you'll hear a lot of. Uh, a lot of Israelites, they only talk about, for the most part, or emphasize the ones over in the Americas, but there's not too much talk about the ones that were taken into, uh, like, Arab-speaking Africa, East Africa, North Africa, into the Middle East. Um, even some that were taken um, and, like, going in uh, 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 Turkey. Um, or even some that were taken into, like, Southern, like, uh, Southern Asia. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but the emphasis you only hear most of the time is the ones that came over here to the Americas, the Caribbean. Um, but there was 12 tribes. It's, it wasn't just the ones that were taken from uh, uh, Judah once they got snatched from Rome. I'm sorry, uh, Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that tends to be where a lot of our people focus. Mm-hmm. Um, when this, when having this conversation, they tend to focus on 70 AD. So just a brief history lesson. Um, in 70 AD, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. And according to, um, a historian named Flavius Josephus, who was around during that time, he said that it was about 2 million of the Jews that were living there that fled into Africa. Um, so because of that, it's a very easy source. You can literally go by Josephus at Barnes and Noble for about $30. Um, and because it's such an easy source and easy history, a lot of, of Israelites do tend to focus on the 70 AD um, destruction and, and how a lot ran into um, Egypt and then were pushed further from there by the Muslims. But uh, there's a lot more. There's so many other times where Israelites were kicked out of the land. Um, of course, you had after Solomon, you had the Assyrians who took the northern kingdom and they got dispersed all throughout Syria. Um, you had the people in the book of Jeremiah who ran into Egypt um, and they lived there and remained there. Um, and again, those ones also got pushed into North Africa and into uh, Central and Western Africa by the Mohammedans when, when 
Islam came on the scene. You had different Jewish traders who all throughout the BC time after Babylon, uh, you had Jews who got kicked out of uh, Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, who still remained in Babylon, who stayed in other parts of the Babylonian uh, dynasty. You had um, after the destruction, you had Jews who were continuing to go all throughout different parts of the world, including parts of Africa. Um, and then, you, of course, one of the big ones is after 70 AD, while a lot did go into Africa, a lot also went to Yemen. And when there was a war that happened between Ethiopia and Yemen by a guy named King uh, Duas or Dumas or something like that. And the Jews that were there ended up getting kicked out and they ran into Zimbabwe and they are the Limba tribe today. So it's a, um, and then some of the Limba also did get taken on the slave ships. So there's a lot of history and there's a lot of different diasporas, but what you're going to hear majority of the time is going to be 70 AD. Um, Jerusalem was destroyed. That's what you're going to hear most of the time. So it, it sounds like the, yeah, um, what this connected to this historical analysis is kind of doing is it's giving a path. Um, and this is me uh, analyzing, not necessarily for historical whatever uh, accuracy, but just saying uh, what the 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 language is doing is giving us a path. And I say us, some of the diaspora, African diaspora, a path to say, hey, look, we have connective tissue with these tribes. Uh, and we could draw our lineage to these tribes. And because we could draw our lineage to these tribes, we should seek to realign our culture and religion mm-hmm. to the tribes as, as they appear in the text. Is that is that accurate? Absolutely. Oh, and then I forgot to answer the other part of your question where you said others in Africa becoming Jews. That would also be true because we have a long history uh, like uh, Caleb had just said, we have a long history of going into Africa um, during different times of uh, invasion or turmoil, trying to escape or flee something. But we also have a history of mixing with other nations as well. So over time, the the actual Africans, like the descendants of uh, um, Ham or uh, uh, Kush or Egypt, yes, those would have been, well, those were the actual, what we would call now Africans. But some of us going into their Yes, uh, we would have mixed with some of them. So by offspring, those Africans will start to become mixed DNA. And uh, following the pattern of scripture, you are what your father is. So, yes, other Africans, like actual Africans, they would have became a Jew because of either joining into the belief or marrying um, marrying with a, I'm a Hebrew and then uh, reproducing. Yeah. So I, I definitely uh, wanted to go to, down a road because, uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy, right, associated with uh, the belief. But I, I wanted to make sure I spent some time asking questions about, like, what what are the similarities? So what are the things that, you know, when you go into a synagogue, going to a mosque, going to a church that you're going to you're going to feel, you know, commonalities between, you know, those faith uh, faith groups? One commonality is the belief uh, that Abraham is the father um, of the faith. Yeah, is 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 the father of the faith. And then the second one, belief in a singular 
a singular great power which is greater than all other powers. Those are two common ones. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say our view of the Most High uh, would be uh, essentially similar to all of them. Uh, Christianity would be a little different because depending on the denomination, it's triune. Um, we don't necessarily believe in triune, uh, you know, a trinity. Um, but even in spite of that, the idea that there is one singular supreme being who is all knowing, all powerful, um, all good. And, and by good, we do mean a more Hebraic definition, which would be functional. But even by like a, a more modern definition of good, still all good. Righteous. Um, yeah, righteous beyond human comprehension. Um, all of those things you'll find in, in Islam, you'll find in Christianity, you'll find in Judaism, and you'll find amongst us. Um, and you'll even find that in beliefs outside of the Abrahamic religions, where the high, the high God, the creator of everything, is beyond human knowledge and human comprehension. Um, so that would be a, com a commonality. Um, and then, of course, all the Abrahamic religions have a have a strong focus on morality, and that is not lost here. We have a very strong focus on morality. We don't cheat people. We don't steal. We don't kill. We treat our, our wives with respect. Uh, we, like our wives, treat us with respect as well. We try to raise our children to be functional members of society, um, even though the emphasis of the Torah is how we are to operate with each other. This does not give us the green light to treat people who are outside of the nation of Israel with any kind of contempt. Um, we are to be respectful at all times. You're going to see that same thing across all the Abrahamic religions. Okay. Anybody, anybody else have? All right, Lawrence, did you have another follow up to that? Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to give you a chance to talk about any more positive commonalities. But I, I was going to ask about, uh, you know, any negative commonalities that you'll see as well. Something that, you know, growing up in a church myself, uh, you know, what what similarities would I see there that I'm that I might not want to see. Oh man, negative. Oh man, that's a long one. Stop long it. One. Stop it. Uh, so no, but, I'm just saying, okay, okay. Um oh you can go ahead. Okay. Well, I was gonna say the big one for me um is the division. Um just like there's many different denominations of Christianity. Um, there's a whole bunch of divisions in Judaism, there's a whole bunch of divisions pretty much in all beliefs. Um, and amongst Israelites, it is the same. Okay. Um, now, one of the differences I will say um, is that is you will hear Israelites say that we do need to try to figure it out. Um, how successful those attempts have been vary from attempt to attempt. But even if there is some disagreements on things, um, and sometimes I do wish that those disagreements did not exist. And of course, you know, there's reasons why and, and it doesn't it's not too big of a deal once you understand, have certain understanding. But. That is one of the things I will say that if someone were to come into this, that might they might be taken aback by that, by some of the division. Mm -hmm. um, I guess <clears throat> I guess another one in terms of uh, a separation between what we believe and in terms of like modern Christianity, um, Islam and Judaism uh, for us. Once again, we 
we believe in keeping the commandments, keeping the ordinances um, of the Father and, and what he instructs. Uh, you will hear sometimes in modern Christianity that um, that uh, that the Messiah, who they call Christ, um, the the law was uh, was pinned on the cross with him. So therefore, we don't have to do it. We live by grace through faith. Um, in terms of uh, Judaism, you have some sects of Judaism that do not believe in the Messiah, but they believe in keeping the commandment. And okay. then in terms of in terms of Islam, they believe that um, in the one whom they call Christ, but we use the term Messiah, they believe that he existed. They just believe that he was a prophet. And and not the uh, son of the living uh, God and living up. So, um, but in Christianity, they do believe that he is the son of God. And once again, like Caleb said, depending on what uh, denomination, you'll probably have that uh, that Jesus is God, meaning he is the Father in terms of the whole tri- uh, um uh, Trinity, Trinity aspect uh, aspect of it. So, in, in terms of the different the differences between, like we have an understanding that the Messiah is the Son of Elohim or the Son of God. He is brought forth from the Father through a woman whose name was Mary. But we don't worship Mary. Once again. So and so once again, in terms of uh, the immaculate conception, we do not believe in the immaculate conception. We believe in the virgin birth. And what I've come to understand in terms of the immaculate conception is that I've heard this term used in Christianity. And I think that because of Catholicism um, and no one really researching and digging and asking questions, it's a common term that is uh, continually used. So the immaculate conception is the belief that Mary was born perfect and that when she had uh, the Messiah, that she was still a virgin. She was forever a virgin. So therefore, because of, of her divinity and how the father looked at her, she deems worship. We do not believe that. We do believe that Mary is a virgin. It was brought by, um, in terms of her con- her conception through the of the Messiah, that there was a divine um, power that caused her, not that the a set apart spirit of what is called the Holy Spirit had any type of relation uh, or intercourse with her. We do not believe that whatsoever. We believe that it was the power that caused her to um to become uh, pregnant. So th- so you might um, hear um, that as well um, in terms of certain certain differences um, and and what we believe and what there is a. Uh, a common um, perception or belief with um, some different Israelite groups and also Christianity as well. Yeah. So you, you kind of going into the, the weeds there on that specific kind of breaking point, it makes me kind of uh, ask like, you know, so where, what is the, I guess the, uh, the source of the different interpretations, because as I look, when I look at, uh, you know, mainstream um uh judaism there's a, a a culture and tradition of you know uh um 
rabbis, you know, studying studying the Torah, uh, and they they periodically write these you know long things that describe okay, this is how I should understand the Torah now today. Uh, Catholic Church has had a long tradition of, of of doing the same thing throughout history, and then as we got the Protestant Reformation and all these other folks doing the same thing. Uh, at what point, uh, I guess not not really more historically, but what is the the lens that causes now I'm going to look at the same documents that they're using for this long. And now I'm coming away with different uh, interpretations than, than these long held traditions. Man. Oh, your okay. question. Yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I think we all got answers on that one. So is your question like how the different interpretations and practices came to be? Uh, I, I mean, I guess it can boil down to that. Okay, well, so he's more he's more asking concerning like what makes like how we look at it different from how yeah. these you know these these rabbis say okay this is how it's supposed to be interpreted uh, this is how okay that's what more okay. so he's yeah. asking okay so, I appreciate that okay so one difference that gives us our understanding actually rabbis are very studied um as far as what they read. But uh, we read a lot, too. So what gives us our understanding are the different texts we read. So, for example, mm-hmm. uh, we'll read what's called the uh, Apocrypha or like the Pseudepigrapha. We'll read different uh, historical writings, which are not, let's say, uh, spiritual in any sense, but they just tell us what happened. So, for example, uh, Josephus, uh, Eusebius, uh, Jerome different um historians whether uh they were english um they were the writings telling us what happened with the jews in spain there's arab sources we also look at uh the hebrew sources as well which is interesting because still to this day i've yet to hear a jew mention discuss or give much credence or time discussion to the dead sea scrolls but we also look at the uh, dead sea scrolls so out of, out of everything that we read that's how we get our understanding and that what makes us different, but really what separates different people is just what they understand. And what you understand is based upon what you know and what you know comes from everything you've read and heard. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of, uh, to kind of add on more to what Netsar said. Um, one of the other key things is, and I know we said this earlier, but the culture, um, when the Messiah was preaching and teaching, he was teaching, within the culture and context of a Jew who was living in the year 30 AD or yeah, 30 AD, 30 CE. That's the context that he was teaching it. So there were certain idioms that he was using. There were certain things in the culture that he was discussing. There was a lot of things that were being said. And this, this goes all throughout scripture. There's this whole, there's idioms that people take very literally that sometimes like, oh, that's just a Hebrew idiom, but because we're not part of that culture, we don't know. So in reading and doing a lot of this research, going back and, and looking at things like that, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, Book of Enoch, some of these other books, even if we don't consider those books scripture, what they can do is they can tell us, okay, somebody who was living in the second century BCE, so that means they were living 200 to 100 BC, they were thinking this way. This is what they were expecting. So when I go read the New Testament, and I see Paul saying things that I go into the Old Testament. I'm like, I, I see it, but I don't see it like he sees it. That middle source can help me because it's now it's telling me where Paul is getting his information. Mm. Right. So 
I can not just by going back, I can get all this information to help myself understand the culture better, understand how the Jews themselves were thinking, understand how what the Messiah was thinking when he said something, when Isaiah wrote something, what was going through his mind? Who was he talking to? Because everything in the Bible, or the prophets in particular, it was written for all of us, but it wasn't written directly to us. It was written to the people that were alive during that time. So I need to understand what he was trying to communicate to them so I can get a better understanding of it for myself and how to properly apply that today. A lot of times, especially when you go into, if you ever study history or Christianity or different other religions, you'll see that people started interpreting the Bible based on their culture and their understanding and how they might have viewed something. Even just how they thought about something isn't necessarily how an Israelite during the time of King David would have thought about that same thing. So we have to try to go back as far as we can in understanding to properly apply it. So um, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna hit it like uh, like real simplistic. They they dove into the history and everything like that, um, which <clears throat> definitely is a necessity in terms of trying to trying to link the historical events to culture and everything like that. Um, one way that I express to people. Um, because they they asked me this, they have asked me the same thing. Well, you know, you have different versions and this kind of other. So how do you know? In in all honesty, um, first and foremost, you're you're asking. You have to ask the father for his understanding and his way and his truth and what he said that his word is, and he will give it to you. So the second aspect of it is you have to come to it as a child, because of information being loaded onto us and we are growing and, and everything like that, we have to understand that all this stuff was predated before us. So we have to come to certain things as a child and to read it exactly for what it says. The scripture will explain itself. Um, there's sometimes, you know, people will go into deep dives uh, concerning the scripture and say, oh, it kind of means this and this means that. That's that's great and all, um, but most of the time the scripture will explain itself. It will literally tell you what to do, how to do it, what direction to go, whether to turn to left or to the right, if you allow it to do it. And I guess that's one thing that um, that we as humans we try to take things into our own account, into our own understanding, into our own knowledge that we have gained over the years and experiences like that and try to apply it and then try to read it and try to apply it thereof rather than saying, let me take a step back. Let me just look at it for what it says. If it tells me that I don't need to do this, then, okay, for, for instance, it tells me that certain animals are unclean for me to eat. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat it. Just like a child, you tell a child to do something. That's an obedient child. You tell a child to say, "I want you to do this. I want you to do that," and the child actually does it. Child may not understand the reason why you're you're telling them that, but they'll go ahead and do it because they're an obedient child. Later on down the line, if that child continues in the ways of what their parents instructed them, it'll come back to their mind and they'll have an understanding. They're like, "Oh, dang! Now I understand why." They had me do this the whole entire time. So that's one thing that I would say on approaching scripture and one reason why and how we understand it versus all these other scholars, this and the other, um, 
in terms of that aspect as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I did want to uh, kind of ask uh, kind of the elephant in the room question. Um, whenever, you know, we, we're, I, I think before the podcast, we were talking about politics a little bit, talking about uh, the outcomes of some races in Georgia and Florida. Yeah. Um, when people talk about uh, Republicans, like there's a lot of discussion about races and stuff like that. Um uh, you talk to Republicans, they're, hey, they'll say, I'm not racist. Well, the vast majority of them. But then there is this effect when if you were to ask a random racist what their political leanings were, they would more than likely align with the Republican Party, right? And so you they got to do some soul searching and figure out, okay, what is about us, right, that keeps bringing these folks out, uh, voting for us or whatever, or whatever right? Um, and when I when I kind of started doing my deep dive, uh, what I started, I kept, I kept coming up or hitting on was a lot of like anti-Semitic stuff. And and I'm wondering, you know, what is it about the, you know, the spectrum of belief that, that attracts those folks? Well, I need to ask a question first. Uh, well, actually, I have a couple of questions I, I want to ask um, just to get some clarification. So when you say anti-Semitic stuff, can you give me an example of some of the anti-Semitic things that you were talking about? Uh, specifically, very Nazi-like uh propaganda so things about uh the the jewish cabal you know running this thing or that thing um the things along those paths does that make sense okay okay so was was that the primary thing you're talking about uh that's one example uh the, okay. another example that i saw uh was just about the a masquerade right so basically saying you know these folks are uh, conspiracy theories tricked everybody else into believing x y and z uh is another one uh that popped up a lot okay okay so um there's a couple of, of things that we would say is problematic with the term anti-semitic um the first one being that we're we are claiming to be shemites ourselves so um when you and just in case nobody knows the term semitic it actually comes from shem so noah had three sons shem ham and japheth Shem is the one who is the progenitor of Abraham. And then from Abraham, you get Isaac, Jacob, and then the Israelites. So if we're saying we're Israelites, we are proclaiming ourselves to be Semitic people, right? Now, there are Jews, Jewish people, who have actually said a lot of the things that you say, right? So they they say things like, you know, Jews are in control. This is a perfect example is a man named Benjamin Friedman, who came out in the 1950s and basically said that Jews were doing things in Germany and the germ, the Holocaust was basically revenge, right? Now, whether somebody believes that or not is not my point. But my point is because he was a Jew, he was never called anti-Semitic because he can't technically be anti-Semitic because he's Jewish, right? Um, however, when we say certain things, whether those things, again, some are extreme, some might be not, but we're also labeled anti-Semitic. And again, that part is problematic. Um, and then the other part is Shem, that's like one third of the human race. If we're going to look at the biblical history, that's one third of the human race. So when you say something about Muslims, technically that also is anti-Semitic because the uh, Muslims claim to be from Ishmael. That would yep. be the first thing. So uh, the second you thing. you talk about a Muslim, you are basically proclaiming anti-Semitic. If you talk yeah. any bad about a Muslim, it is literally labeled anti-Semitic based upon definition. Yeah, so that would that would be one. The other thing, uh, also at some certain parts of India, Pakistan, um, it's it's a lot of people that are Shemites. So 
And today we tend to use that only when we talk about the Jewish people, uh, when in actuality that's a much broader term. Um, so that would be the first thing. The second thing is um, when it comes down to a cabal. Now, I don't like to link myself conspiracy theorists because I'm the type of person that needs proof and evidence. Um, when it comes down to proof, there are certain factions of the world that could definitely are under a lot of uh, Zionist Jewish control, right? So uh, Kanye West has been in a lot of trouble for saying the Jewish media, the Jewish media, the Jewish media. The way he's saying it is very, I wouldn't say it that way because it, it could be easily labeled as hate. But the reality of it is Dave Chappelle said it when he just did his Saturday Night Light, uh, live monologue. There are a lot of people who are Jewish in high positions of power in Hollywood. Now, whether once somebody wants to say, hey, they're all working together to do this, that, and the third, or hey, it's just coincidence, or hey, they all just, you know, that's a different conversation. But in terms of who's in that position, it is a lot of Jewish people. To simply point that out, I would not say it's anti-Semitic or hateful in any way. Um, now, again, I've read some things uh, from certain Hebrew Israelites that like, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, now, when you said there was a part about tricking people, uh, they basically tricked people. Um, are you referring to the Kazarian theory? Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact name of the theory, uh, but just the the intentional erasure of African connections uh, with the, um, the tribes of Israel. Okay, so I'm not going to, so me personally, I'm not going to say that that is strictly a Jewish thing. Um, there has definitely been some, some deliberate attempts to not let it be known that we were Israelites. Now, again, how deep that conspiracy can go is another conversation. A lot of that would be speculation. Um, but there definitely has been some evidence of that. Um, if you're wondering why I'm saying that it's because in old documents, they actually were writing about how a lot of the people they were picking up were from, were had Jewish customs. Um, there were slaves that were not eating pork. And it would beat out of them. Um, so, the you know the fact that these things are said, and then all of a sudden we're looking back and like, hey, we think this is true, and then you get, you know, basically called crazy, and then you show somebody the evidence, and then you get Kyrie Irving, you know, he posts the link in the movie that he's that he got canceled for. A lot of stuff they're saying it said the movie didn't even say. So, you, those kind of things are questionable. And when when certain when you're trying to give out information, the information gets suppressed, and you're not given an explanation as to why you're suppressing it, especially when the when the information is very factually based. At some point, you can only start to wonder, and that's where people start going to the conspiracy side of things because you're not giving us any other option. If if that answer makes sense. Um, one one thing also uh, concerning the whole. Kyrie aspect of it in terms of answering your question in terms of this conspiracy to, to cover up certain things you'll hear throughout this whole entire thing they'll say that it's a movie that has anti-semitic say the holocaust and other but they'll never mention the title of the movie so that can that can raise a question mark because one thing is it's like well they want to promote and say that hey he was doing this he was doing that but they won't give people a chance to research to actually see well, what movie was he talking about that they're talking about so that I can see for myself if what they're actually saying is truth or not. So that's just one thing to 
to think about that could raise a question mark concerning in terms of answering your question that conspiracy to cover up things that's a, that's it's low key a cover up because you're not giving the full details of everything but you're you're displaying a narrative that could possibly be true could not possibly be true depending on if you watch the movie or not and finding out for yourself and again if you say something like the movie the movie said the holocaust didn't happen the holocaust is not that's not in the movie but they say that and then they're not telling you the name of the movie now i'm kind of like i gotta look at you funny why why are you telling me something that the movie same thing like your your friend you got a friend somewhere your friend is telling you yes yeah, somebody says such and such and such but they're not telling you who so you can confront that person it's like okay so why are you telling me this and also how come they felt comfortable enough to say it to you so now all these questions start going in your head when if they just told you everything up front some of those questions probably wouldn't even come in your mind it, it just looks you you're leaving me no other option but to believe you're trying to cover this up and again there's especially when you start getting into some of the history of what happened it becomes a lot more obvious that yeah there was some covering up there was some hiding it now again am i going to say that's a strictly jewish thing no but there was some evidence of that okay. yeah so uh, I, I was just going to say as i hear your answer it kind of um it, it leaves some room because uh in the first part, you're kind of saying, "Hey, we can't be, we can't be uh, um, anti-Jew because we're all Jews." Or Shemites, uh, and then, or, or Shemites, right? Uh, I, I tried to change the uh, the phraseology, right? Because you said anti-Semitic was a uh, um, problematic statement, um, and then you kind of gave more ammunition to support the the conclusion so i just want to make sure you know give you give you opportunity or room just to you know uh to draw like the separation um uh you know between yourself and some of the the, the more negative parts uh, more negative beliefs out there okay so that's kind of the reason why i was kind of asking you like uh what are some of the things you're talking about that are anti-semitic because some things are called anti-semitic when they're not you know, when you, when you think of the term anti-Semitic, I'm just, again, layman's term, you would think of basically hatred of the Jewish people, right, which is not something that we're about. But history is history. So if something happened and a certain group of Jewish people did something for me to simply state that they did this, whether if it makes them look bad or not, that's not anti-Semitic. That's just history. So that's, that's why I'm asking that there are some people who, who actually will go out and, you know, make jokes and say yeah we can't wait to get these we're not talking we're not doing any of that we don't do that mm -hmm. but if we're just talking about historical things that have happened right that jewish people were involved in we'll tell that history and again some of that history is not favorable to the jewish people but we're still going to tell that history telling history that actually happened doesn't make somebody any kind of uh xenophobic or anything like that it's just this is what happened so if i'm if i'm understanding correct um what you're saying is it is no more anti-semitic to discuss the history of uh of your culture than it would be anti-white to discuss the history of slavery is yeah that, okay exactly uh, i don't know if i remember but in florida it's like the, i guess the administration did a ban on discovering on discussing slavery in the uh and like in the public schools, because it makes the students feel bad. Connecticut too. Yeah, yeah, Connecticut. But it's like we're not blaming anyone. 
it's it's a discussion of what happened. Um, but the issue, well, the issue I have with anti-Semitism is that it's only anti-Semitic if it's against a certain group of people because you have something like Ethiopian Jews. Mm-hmm. If you say something against them, it's not anti-Semitic. But then you also have, let's say, black Jews. It sounds weird to say that beside Hebrew is like, but when I say black Jews, I'm talking about black who practice Judaism. And you have you have groups of people who do that in Africa. But if you say something towards or about them, it's not called anti-Semitic. It's only anti-Semitic when you're talking about a group of white Jewish people. It's it like it's like that only that term only applies to them, which is very weird and very inaccurate, misleading. Gotcha. Um, we are um, definitely coming into the wrap up phase. I just want to um, give everyone an opportunity to just to give a play a starting point, right? So someone's listening to this podcast, they hear what you're saying, and it feels like something that they would like to learn more about. What is the starting point? What is the right? What do they What do they do? What are their first steps that you would advise them to take? if they feel like this is a direction that is, is pulling them. One title I will recommend is to read. It's a, it's a good book. That's called from Babylon to Timbuktu. That's one. Then another one, I would say for all those who believe in the authoritativeness in scripture, just read it from the beginning, but don't read into it. Just read what it says. Just read what it says. Don't, don't read it like this is this is what I was told it means. Just allow it to speak for itself. Read it like you never heard the book before. Okay. You don't know anything about Abraham, Isaac, Adam. You know nothing about any of this. Just pick it up and start reading it as though you have no clue what's going on. Hey, this is just some book somebody recommended. To me. Read it just like that. Um, some people, as they're reading, they, they start Googling and they start asking questions. Some people rush the process. Don't rush. Take your time. Take your time. It'll come to you as as you take your time. Um, you know, sometimes there are things in the Bible because, again, culture was different. It's going to be a little weird. Why? Why did he do this? Why did he react like this? Why did he say this? Why didn't he do this? This is what I would have done. But you're an American. Right. In the 21st century. This was a if you start, let's say, with Abraham, he was initially a Sumerian living almost four thousand years ago. Right his whole way of life was different. So like, like Ned Star said, don't read into it. Just, this is what he did. And then as you continue to read, you'll learn, you'll pick up more. Um, one thing I would be very careful of is don't just listen to everybody who sounds like they're saying something good. You know, make sure, make sure that the person that you're listening to anything that they say, you can, you need to be able to fact check them on it. If you start fact checking, if you start trying to fact check them and what they're saying doesn't check out, you know that okay, that thing that they said isn't isn't good. Um, so that that would be my piece of advice. And uh, pray, I guess, to, and pray. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I guess my my advice would be is um, first and foremost, in terms of your mindset, um, in terms of your attitude, um, what you're truly desiring, truly desire truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth the absolute truth so uh go take time and i don't know whether you call him god lord whatever go before the the god of abraham isaac and jacob 
the one who, the creator of heaven and earth, you ask him, say, look, I don't know, but I want to know your way. I want to know your truth. I want to know everything concerning how you see things. And then you pick up that book and you ask him for his understanding and you just start to read. And it definitely will come to you if you, if you truly see that you have a heart to desire his word, to desire his way, to desire his understanding. So in terms of how we believe and we go into the scripture, it's not about us and our way of thinking. It's about him and his way and how he deems things are right. So once again, like I said before, go to it as a child. A child's going to ask their parent, I don't know what to do. Can you help me give me direction? And the parent is supposed to give them direction. It's the same thing concerning the father. So that's my spill on it. Yeah, and the only, only thing I would say is um, just I'm going to say this. I'm going to take my time when I say this, but what I want to say is kind of like just forget it forget everything like when I came into it I just forgot everything like I just left everything in the past and just started over as far as my mindset my spirit things the ways I was walking and stuff like that and I just read so it's kind of the same thing as they all saying like going to it like a child going to it um with not your own understanding and don't listen to, to a lot of people um even studied because in the beginning it's is is rough because even with the study people they're gonna tell you the real and they're gonna tell you what the truth is and your spirit at the time early may not be ready to accept it um i know i spent a lot of time alone like i didn't meet these guys until i was almost like a year into it so um i was alone doing it and it was rough but if you praying and stuff like you're supposed to you're not gonna feel alone and when you walk during the day all you're going to do is have your mind on on him and his words and stuff. So you you won't feel alone. But when you get back into the world, like me, I just started back working. I see a lot of the stuff that I've been studied and stuff and, and, and went through in the, over the past couple of years. Now I see the scriptures coming to life before my eyes. And I go into it with a real, uh, I went into it with a real, it is what it is type of mindset. Like I believe this book to be true before I went into it. But I also I also was very worldly. So with the belief that I believed that it was true, I looked at it like it is what it is. Like the, what it say is just what it say. And we here now where we at now, but it just it is what it is. What happened, happened. Whether it was bad in some people's eyes or good in some people's eyes, righteousness is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. So you go into it with a real it is what it is mindset and just relax and calm down. I think you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be on a good path with um, other advice as well, too. Okay. Um, as a warning, um, I oh, I said one more thing. Yeah, no, good, good. Yeah, yeah. As a warning, I say if you have any arrogance, pride in you, you're not going to get it. If you lack humility, you're not going to get it. Two of the most amazing people in the Bible uh, were Moses and Jacob. But the scripture talked about those two in special ways. It says that it says that Moses at his time was the most humble man in the world. And Jacob was called perfect and blameless. So to really get it, you have to, as they said, be the child. You have to be hungry. 
I'm very humble. But if you have any pride or arrogance or alternative motive in which you want to plan to use this to your advantage, it's not going to work. You're going to miss it. Okay. Um, cannot let these guys go without having them shout out their own podcast one more time. And I, and I heard everything they said about right getting into it right for yourself and discovering that. But by the same token, right, you got four guys up here who right have gotten into it and have discussed it. And they might be a good resource for you as you're learning and growing. So, fellas, shout out your podcast one more time for me. We are the Bread and Wine Podcast. Once again, the Bread and Wine Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. All right. So, the Bread and Wine Podcast. Um, definitely go check them out. Um, we're going to put as much information about um, about it as we can in our show notes. Um, and, uh, don't forget to check out Lawrence. He is Larry underscore the underscore engineer. If you want to chase down his social life and, um, I am Vitruvian Plato, the podcast, <laughs> he's shaking his head now. Like don't chase down my social life. The podcast can be found, um, at ingenious perspectives and also same places anywhere you hear podcasts, Amazon music, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, anchor. Um, so once again, um, we've had these wonderful gentlemen with us here expanding your paradigms. And like we always say, no matter how many intelligent people you get in a room, right, you're not going to solve problems in an hour. So take what they've given to you and use it as a stepping stone to figure out where it is that you want to go in life, figure out how much further you want to expand your paradigms. Um, as always, this is Genius Perspectives. Peace. <laughs>